Once a week, recapping the Hollywood week that was, getting you ready for the Hollywood week to come. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly, hashtag MMOW, hashtag MMO Weekly. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host, also Mike. Also Mike, we got some big news to report. Yeah, good God. We're starting hot and heavy with what will be the news of the week, so let's get into what just went down at TIFF. News, 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 yeah, when we say what just went down, we mean literally we are hitting record at 1.40 on Sunday afternoon after having the award winner of the TIFF Grolsch? Grolsch? Grolsch. Grolsch? Golf? <laughs> that People's Choice Award winner for Best Picture up in TIFF, their big award. Uh, it was handed out not 10 minutes ago, Michael, to... Over social media handed out. Yes. Metaphorically handed out. Right. Because they canceled the <laughs> award show, which we covered on Oscar Ace Checkpoint, but... I am the worst in terms of suspense because yeah, that was awful. everybody is just completely undercut right my now. setup there. They're, they're crushing your setup. <laughs> Jojo Rabbit! Unbelievable. Jojo Rabbit, 52 Metascore, 75% on Rotten Tomatoes on 55 reviews at the time of this recording. We this all is saw this coming. Taika Waititi's <laughs> film where he basically plays a, Hitler as an imaginary friend for a young 9-year-old, 10-year-old Nazi kid. Does Toronto hate Disney is the headline. <laughs> is this just them thumbing? I mean, this is crazy. Nobody, nobody was picking Jojo Rabbit to win this award because there has been such a heavy correlation lately between this award winner, the Best Picture winner at TIFF, and at least showing up in the Best Picture category at the Oscars. The last seven Grolsch Audience Award winners have been nominated for Best Picture. Four Best Picture winners have won the Audience Award over the last 12 years of TIFF. So we have a serious correlation. That's one-third in terms of Best Picture winners, Mike. That's, you know, probably, I, I should have counted the last 12 winners, but whatever, it's... You know, it's probably like a 9 out of 12 or 10 out of 12. It, yeah, it's definitely up there. And ever since Slumdog Millionaire won the award in Toronto in 2008, that's kind of when this has been kicked off, this correlation between Best Picture in Toronto and Best Picture. You go before that, it gets a little hazy, it's a little choppy. You had some stuff like Satsi, uh, Whale Rider, Amelie, Wind, which shows up in the foreign film category, as it was called back then, but doesn't show up in Best Picture, that kind of happened. But ever since Slumdog Millionaire won it in 2008, we go Slumdog, Precious, King's Speech wins Best Picture. Where do we go now? Wasn't nominated. Silver Linings Playbook was nominated, didn't win. 12 Years a Slave wins. The Imitation Game, nominated. Room, nominated. La La Land, nominated. Won at one point, and then they reversed it. Uh, three Billboards, nominated and wins. Did it win? No. Shape of Water won. Three Billboards should have won. I'm getting confused. Yes. Green Book, it won the TIFF Award last year. It was kind of a surprise. It was the first real in introduction into the Best Picture category that we thought. And it was like, oh, that's cute. It's not going to really do well. And then it wins Best Picture. So there is, since 2008, the last decade plus or so, a heavy correlation between doing well here and finding your way into the Oscars Best Picture conversation. Mike, I just don't know if I want to like Jojo Rabbit or not. We haven't seen it yet. We want to see it yeah. soon. You kind of want to like it in a way because of Fox Searchlight. Damn right. And you're, you're rooting for those pictures to yeah. win, right? I kind of want to like it because I, I love Taika Waititi sure. movies. 
But then again, there's all of these, you know, just scorching hot stories about how it doesn't take its satire seriously enough and it might miss in terms of the, the, the themes and that is scary to me. And yet we have an audience in Toronto that has a beat on this category this best picture category we, that has a beat on what's going to be popular that what's fun that that connects with the academy at the end of the day and they picked of all films jojo rabbit over marriage story parasite ford v ferrari waves etc 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 a beautiful day in the neighborhood i would love to go back and see how these, I don't even know it's, if it's possible, but how were the early reviews on all of the previous winners? Mm -hmm. Because the early reviews on JoJo Rabbit are not good. Not <laughs> I mean, they're good. not great. You know, they're not horrible. They're not great. They're just very, very average. 52 Metascore yeah. is not good. No, not not great at all. It certainly doesn't scream Best Picture winner. And even, I mean, we talk all the time, the compromise candidate. It doesn't talk about a compromise candidate. It suggests that it's a compromise candidate. That in a year where you don't really have someone out the out front, that this is something that the critics can go back on and or the Academy can go back on and pick and end up winning. It does carry early 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not even certified fresh at this point. This is bizarre. This is a really bizarre win. I mean, good for Jojo Rabbit, obviously. We want it to do well for various reasons. We were shocked when we read it on I Twitter. thought Parasite... What did you decide on? I said Parasite, said Parasite but first. I also hedged it with Marriage Story. And I, How I'm many shocked. guesses? <laughs> How many guesses would it have taken you to say Jojo Rabbit? Probably six or seven, yeah. because Knives Out was also in there. <sighs> I wanted Knives Out. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, badly. like I just said. That's yeah. six right there. I think I mentioned six. Over this one. So, what does this do going forward? Do we take Jojo Rabbit seriously? We have to yeah. now. We absolutely have to. No question about it. And it's going to bring a ton of publicity to that film. Yeah. And it's going to cause a lot of uh, chatter. Uh, I, this, I mean, this is great for us, Mike. Right, sure. It's going to... Look, we've been begging in 2019 for something to happen with the award season, shape the Oscars mm -hmm. race, and we're, we're hoping all these film festivals start doing that. This is the biggest... Either it's a bomb or it's a turd in the punch bowl, depending on your perspective. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'm not sure how this is going to be accepted yet. Like we said, it just happened. It's going to be very interesting to gauge film Twitter's reaction to this. This has to be considered an upset. It's a huge upset. And I've been speaking so slowly because I've been looking up who came in in second and third, Michael. Mm. And it was Marriage Story and Parasite. They got the runner-up prizes. And that's exactly what we thought. So it's a huge upset over those films that we thought we're going to win this thing. I Crazy. I don't... <laughs> I don't know what to, to make of this. This is truly, truly bizarre. Good, great. Gives us a reason to give Oscars for profile treatment to Jojo Rabbit. Gives us a reason to look more critically at the likes of Merit Story and Parasite. Parasite isn't going to be sweeping Ken and Tiff. It's not going to be having that kind of lineage to head into the award season with, so it has an even bigger mountain to climb now in terms of the best picture race if it wants to be one of the lone international pictures to end up winning that category overall. Uh, we wanted something to shape the Oscar narrative, Michael, and we got it. <laughs> we got it. We will speak more articulately about it. Yeah. I can't even say that. That's articulately is what you yes. meant. Yeah. And... <laughs> I think that we got a fun Oscar race checkpoint next week for sure, but I like that we could, you know, have another weekly show and just touch on it here. And we're actually recording this after we recorded the rest of the episode. Right. So you won't hear 
this befuddlement and, and this <laughs> level of surprise and inarticulateness yes. for the rest of the episode. I thought we were pretty good. I thought we were able to speak words for the rest for of the For most it. part, yeah. We, we said some things. Now I'm just, I am shocked. All right, we'll transition seamlessly now into what we're watching. It's what we're watching. Thank you, Aaron Neville. Tall Girl. I watched Tall Girl Why? On, on Netflix. Why? Because I watched all the other ones. Because you're short, a short girl, man. Short man. <laughs> no, I watched all the Netflix rom-coms, and Mike, this was a good message. I laughed at how cliched the film was on numerous occasions, but no, I don't think this lives up to the standards of the previous rom-coms that they've been putting out. All the boys I've loved before, but just much better, unfortunately. And this is fine. I just, I don't usually like movies that end in a big speech where the main character tells you everything right, he or she has learned. the story. Yeah, I mean, Blinded by the Light, this movie, A Beautiful Mind, I, that, that aggravates me. If we were to wholly abandon the rom-com genre, <laughs> just as a society, we agree that we don't need to make Letters to Juliet or Tall Girl or anything anymore. Are you speaking on behalf of all the cinemas? I'm speaking on behalf of all <laughs> the me. <laughs> All right, tall girl. No, don't watch. I, it's not necessary. I okay. mean, it's fun if you really love the genre. I watched Ma with Octavia Spencer. I am going to watch this still. She is so creepy in this, but all these kids kind of suck. Good. So <laughs> the question of the film is like, who do you dislike more? <laughs> and of course, you must side with the kids at the end of end of it. Uh, I don't know. I'm glad a movie like this was such a hit in terms of its box office. Right. It speaks to uh, Spencer's charisma, and you see sure how... Is great she was at this will, will will she do more i mean will she become the betty davis a, a much younger version you know and betty davis had a horror film run there for a while that's i don't know that's my question great point i'd love to see more actors and actresses kind of go into that genre of people that you wouldn't expect to do horror just try horror elizabeth moss did it i think it's worked wonders for her mm -hmm. lately too so uh just when you said you were kind of betting against the kid just the chevy chase from dirty work popped into my <laughs> if i were a betting man i put all the money i had on, on death. <laughs> you quoted Dirty Work. I love that movie, man. You I absolutely quoted... love it. Artie Lang is one of my personal heroes. I it, love him. You can count on like two hands how many people have watched Dirty Work. <laughs> oh, how dare you! In the last ten how, years. That, that movie belongs in the Smithsonian. And you just quoted it. That's incredible. I'm amazed it took this long, honestly. <laughs> I watched Child's Play, this year's movie. Uh, I like the modernization of the toy. It's, yeah, I heard about yeah. it. So, like, I don't think we're giving anything away by saying yeah. it's like a like a cloud-type thing. An Alexa or Siri right. gone crazy, and that's a lot of fun. That's cool. My humankind is not long for this world because I am convinced this is actually going to happen within the next Just one. Another documentary instead of a horror movie. Yeah, within the next one year, if not 50. But uh, look, I mean, the scares don't really work, though, and it's more gory scenes and creepouts mixed with the great Mark Hamill baby voice, hmm. which is terrifying. It's like he does this lullaby voice the whole movie, and then he sings a lullaby at one point. It's, I, I enjoyed that part of it. I don't know. You, I could take or leave this movie. I think if you're a huge fan of the franchise, you kind of really dig it. it. It was okay. If Star Wars never happened, mm. um, first of all, Flash Gordon would be like the shit. But if, <laughs> but would Mark Hamill just be like a creepy guy? He would just be like those Hanna-Barbera guys who did the million voices. <laughs> right. Because none of his other stuff back then was really... 
you know, in terms of the narrative fiction, live action stuff was catching on. Star right. Wars was the bit major right. outlier. I mean, that's what, and that's certainly what he was known for, and obviously well, well earned and well deserved. But he does all these voices of all these creepy ass characters now, and just oh, he's very good at it. Obviously, very we good just at it. had our whole breakdown. We did our Hamill episode of the Joker character study. Go check that out. We did a whole history of his voice acting, which I don't think is known by many lay people, but it is well worth researching. Yes, uh, I also watched the two music porn movies. <laughs> Basically, this is just nostalgia porn for the Beatles and Bruce Springsteen, I right. think. Not actual, yeah. Uh, Himesh Patel and Yesterday. Porn. That would be a weird one. <laughs> Himesh Patel and Yesterday, just covering the Beatles songs is kind of worth the price of admission okay. there. So he's really talented, and it's fun to watch people, Mike, fictional or not, having some Beatlemania. Right. That was sure. fun. I did like an all-night listening binge on the Beatles playlist on Spotify there. So, again, a lot of fun associated with this. However, the, the two plots don't really match up. You got like this down-to-earth love story, and you got this genie-out-of-the-bottle kind of plot line. And they, it's just preposterous how they collide. And I really disliked it. Kate McKinnon's funny with a few one-liners. Lily James is always good. This story just doesn't work, though. I, I read a spoiler. I have no interest in seeing this movie. I read a spoiler. That about you have me. to tell people right now? I'm not going to tell, but like the meeting that happens. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man, could be said a lot during that film. Uh Maybe a little bit during this film, too, because this was just, like, too much. This was a case of too much. Blinded by the Light, this is a memoir about a Bruce Springsteen-obsessed high school kid from Great Britain, a Pakistani immigrant, mm-hmm. uh, who uses the lyrics from the Boss songs to help him come of age and bring his immigrant Pakistani family together cool message. With, with this newfound British community. And, and it's a wonderful, beautiful message, overflowing with a ton of truth sincerity, because it's a true story. There are like three or four terrific scenes, but they are crowded amongst another 50 scenes, Mike, that are trying to be so terrific, like Uh, the most terrific, that it's just mattingly on the nose. And I wish I could say cliched, but that would be a compliment here. (laughs) This movie is going for it way too often, Uh, and it's very frustrating. Another movie that ends with a speech which gets me very ornery. It's hard to take a character like this and change him so thoroughly once he hears the Bruce songs. Right. And then that's like the end of his development. And then you have all these one-dimensional characters that are supposed to change, that he's supposed to change, right? Right. For the rest of the movie. Which doesn't really work because they're just one-dimensional to begin with. Sounds like it's got a lot of faults, which surprises me because it was pretty... Well received by critics. I think people are suckers for the message. And I don't want to say suckers, but it really is a nice story and it's a kind story and, and all those things. It's, it's so well-intentioned and nice, but as a movie, I, I didn't think it worked. Do they explain why Blinded by the Light is the title? Well, I think we were both wrong because Bruce Springsteen did actually write the first version of yeah. that song. Tony Dobbish, uh, shout out to him, TD underscore 81, part of the Take Two podcast. He slid into my DMs, our DMs there on uh, Instagram and said that... You know, Filled me in on that, mm-hmm. which I assumed to be the case, because why would you just have that song with no relation to Bruce B? But does it play a role into the plot? It would have been hysterical if the main character in the movie thought that Bruce Springsteen <laughs> wrote the song and thought that it was a Bruce like he's Springsteen attributing song. his coming of age to Bruce Springsteen, but it's really Dexter's Midnight Runners or whatever. Right. No, that, I, no I mean... It, it was a Manfred Men, one of those, yeah. Look, it does play during a big part of the plot but it's so hard to tell that movie is so dense with emotion wait the song blinded by the light plays during a big moment bruce's song 
But Bruce's original version. Okay, yes. his version. All right, all right. That's that's. I was gonna say, if you're gonna have a big moment in the scene about Bruce Springsteen not playing Man, the song, Fred he's Man. right? No, right. No, no, it's Bruce singing. All right, all right. Well, I oh can. Well. Here's the thing: I can understand <laughs> Bruce's lyrics more than I could understand Manfred Mann. That's. So. Well, I always thought Manfred Mann was saying like a douche, I and a rumor in the night. I learned he wasn't. <laughs> But in my head, I refuse to accept that. Right. It's just better for everyone if it's We've like a douche. We've all been singing like right. a douche. Right. <laughs> and a common and then whatever. I We've think as singing. a society, we should move on accepting that it's like a douche. Uh, that should be the retcon title. Print the t-shirts. Michael, I continued my Noah Baumbach rewatch or watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched De Palma. This is the documentary about Brian De Palma, the great director there. Now, this is a big step for you because you have not seen Eye to Eye with Mr. De Palma's work. I don't like a lot of his yeah. movies. I really don't. But uh, this was a fascinating watch because it's his filmography and all the making of stories right. and all the, you know, the, the, the behind the scenes stuff in just relentless rapid fire interview succession with all the clips from the films i thought bombback did a tremendous job and it made me just absolutely smitten with the whole process and the, the how the palma actually talks about all of his duds is just worth the price of admission right oh there. really yeah cool very good it's on netflix right now i, I was love a, when, I was a fan. when directors or any subjects of documentaries actually get into their failures i think that's where you learn most about a person is how they react to and treat their failures and i, I that's fascinating here yeah, that have, alone makes me want to see this now. i do have so much more respect for him after that cool nice to hear i finished holmes and watson why I laughed like 15 <laughs> times though. Is it worth That's a lot? Is it worth the 15 laughs when you're you have to cringe an extra 50 times? Uh, you're you have first-hand experience now, is it? I don't know. The story <laughs> is so terrible and the the bad jokes that fall flat are so bad. I I almost f- I feel sorry for them in many ways. Oh, so no. the movie's not good, but I still it's they still made me laugh an extra fifteen times in there. I mean, this famously started off with like a zero on the tomato meter. It climbed all the way up to an eleven percent. It deserves a ten or eleven percent, yeah. <laughs> right? Twenty-seven percent audience score. There's so many bad jokes. I'm impressed part. that you stopped this. But then return to it. Like, the first viewing wasn't enough to dissuade you from never seeing it again. I put it on in the background, and I'm, I'm just listening to it. A lot of these movies I watch, you know, in the background of doing something. Right. So, again, you know, I don't have a lot of positive reviews today. Maybe that's part of the reason why. Because we're burdened with tasks. We're busy. Yeah. You know, we're trying to multitask here. I don't know. This this is something I'm very confident in saying is still a very bad movie. All right. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, you can give us the best thing you watched this week early, though. Yeah, it's Succession. Here's my weekly proclamation. Yeah, it's you are all over this show, man. Succession is the best show on TV. Wow. Mike, it's the best show on TV. There it is. Wow. That's high praise. Uh, look, I, I think I need like a spoiler-filled episode to break the whole season down at the end of this and compare it to King Lear and actually read King Lear again or watch Rand from Kurosawa or something like that. I want to do something at the end of the day, maybe a data. Maybe we could get our t- TV show datas going. Oh, we did it for Game of Thrones. That was yeah. fun. I don't know. When is, do you watch it live as it airs? Uh, closely afterward, okay. usually. Is it Sunday night? When I, I've never not taken the dive yet. So. Yeah, it's Sunday night. Sunday night. It, whenever it is on, I guess it is Sunday night, like you just said, afterwards, the, everybody in Twitter just goes nuts over it. So it's like the show of the moment right now. I don't think it has like Game of Thrones type legs, obviously, but a lot of people are falling into succession. Each episode has been so eventful. 
And yeah. that has been the fun part right now. So they're they're really crushing it with each episode. I gotta dive in. All right. The best thing I listened to this week though was the Awards Chatter podcast with Scott Feinberg at the Hollywood Reporter. His interview with Tom Hanks is just one of the more enlightening I've ever heard. It's jam-packed, Mike pearls of wisdom from one moment to the next mr feinberg is one of my favorite interviewers alive and tom hanks was just in the mood to tell all i guess and he really leveled me so many times about what his strategies were how he chooses roles that's all there in that episode make sure if you're a fan of us uh, you gotta listen to the awards chatter He's podcast. Great. He absolutely is fantastic. I know we kiss Scott's ass we all the do. time on the show, but, but it's well earned. We genuinely think yeah, he's like the I best mean, in the we're business. We're not we're not just blowing smoke. He's we, awesome. We genuinely think he's like the standard. Right absolutely. Now. And absolutely. He's from Connecticut. Maybe that helps. There's a little bias there. He shares of course. The, the Peppy's pizza. <laughs> he does. He does. The base of his being is just mozzarella and hot oil. Yeah, he just he, he <laughs> comes from good stock. <laughs> comes from good stock. He was he was raised. I, I'll second. I didn't listen to the Tom Hanks interview. Right. But I've listened to a lot of stuff that Scott's done, obviously. Even some of the uh, more notorious interviews, like with David Crosby. Which sure. is, listen, if you want to listen to a professional holding himself together in the face of some kind of confrontation or like strife, that David Crosby, you could learn yeah. a lot from how Scott handled it that David incredible. Crosby interview. It I, was would, I would co-sign that. But yeah, obviously, Scott is great. Let's do a C by Skip real quick with the three horror movies you watched this week. C by Skip, Child's Play, Ma, and Tall Girl. <laughs> okay, I'm skipping Tall Girl. Thank God. <laughs> I don't know if I can get through Ma again. I, really? I probably. I guess you I hate the kids it. that much. I, I just I disliked all of the characters that much. All it's right. One of those movies, and maybe that's why it only had like a fifty percenter. I think I would probably buy Child's Play. I think you know you can you can study that one a little more. Interesting. That's not exact. That's not at all where I thought you would uh, fall down on that. But that's yesterday's probably also a horror movie. Yeah, I'll well, give you honestly. It was a toss up how to finish that joke between those two. So uh, that's funny. There we go. I actually watched some stuff this week. This is the difference between you and me, Michael. Mm-hmm. Like when you have free moments and you want stuff on in the background, you'll like go back to you'll go to new stuff, movies that you missed, mm-hmm. movies of the moment. Mm-hmm. You'll have that on tv shows that are current i lists though do you make lists i do i just don't refer to them (laughs) because i make checklists too like these are the movies i have to watch right right i'm doing other stuff but i have to watch them so that's why i do watch them while i'm doing this right i have a list of movies that i want to see yeah um and then I, I, I ignore that list. <laughs> and I just watch things that I've seen in 2003 because that's when I was happy. But we have established <laughs> why this is because you are a man trapped in time. I very much am you a are man the frozen. I don't think anything. Frozen skater boy lawyer? Yeah, I don't think anything is more indicative of that than like this <laughs> list I'm going to talk about what I watched this week because I was craving Scrubs, mm. the show Scrubs. And it's preposterous to me that in 2019, in the 18 streaming services I have, don't tell me it's on Hulu, okay? Because I don't have Hulu. Right. I'm not going to get Hulu until I get Disney Plus, and I don't have Disney Plus yet. So, as far as I'm concerned, in my life, Scrubs isn't on any streaming platform. Okay. <laughs> so I had to actually buy a season of Scrubs off Amazon Prime to oh, watch. No. Which I've been working my way through. But that's season three. I just want to feel feelings sometimes, you know? And Scrubs makes me feel feelings with their morals and their stories. Nostalgia. Yeah. And we've established this in Words of Wisdom before. It works on people. Right. I like it. Don't yell at me. I'm not, I wanted no, to watch Scrubs. But, but not you, the people out there that okay. are yelling at me right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, Very defensive of you. Something 
something uh, alongside being nostalgic and old stuff. I went down this Penn and Teller rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Like they, I know they have their show Fool Us, which I do watch, and they have. I, I was just watching their performances on different things. I'm fascinated by Penn Gillette. Well, it's tough to be fascinated by Teller because he doesn't speak. <laughs> I'm fascinated by Penn Gillette, and he was just on the Joe Rogan podcast. And I have my own issues with Joe Rogan personally, but as far as Penn Gillette being on the show, I I'll, he's a very insightful human being, mm. and he's very very charismatic and intelligent. I think and self deprecating, which always draws me to a person. So after listening to that, I went down this Penn and Teller rabbit hole of just watching different tricks they do on different shows. And they are wholly unique to me, I think. Um, And Mm. I had the chance to see them live in Vegas one time. I think they put on a spectacular live show as well. So if you're ever out in Vegas, definitely go make the trip to go see them live. Um, But all this is unnecessary because it proved it was just a time killer. It did nothing for me in the grand scheme of life. They're funny, though. Yeah. You you wanted a comedy this week. Right. I just, I, I, sure, I guess. Okay. So I appreciate you trying that's to bail thing. me out. I, I'll go with that if it helps. Well, but yeah. you watched something else that was comedy. Really. I did. I watched the Chappelle stand-up. Um, yeah, me too. I was afraid to comment on it. I don't... Maybe you feel differently than me. I don't understand the controversy. Like, I think the entire episode, or the entire stand-up, is meant to say the most outlandish right. stuff the craziest things he could think of. I agree. And I think and if, you were to, together. if you were to give Dave Chappelle truth serum and ask if he actually believes this as a human being, I don't think he would. I think it's an act. I think it's, like you said, it's designed to outrage people and get and elicit a response. There's also the devil's advocacy saying truth is said in jest and maybe that he, he does believe some of the things. Okay, maybe. I don't know. But I, I, see, I, I think stand-up is all about tact and delivery anyway. Right. And I think he can get away with it because he's so laissez-faire about it. That's the persona he's built up over all these years. He's going to say stuff that makes you outrage, and he says it in a way that I think elicits laughter and humor. I don't know. I mean, like, if you were to say seriously into a microphone, I don't believe... Michael Jackson's accusers, then yeah, that's like a whole different sect of issue. But if you're going to say it during a stand-up set that's taped for Netflix in a special, I think it's a different ball of wax. I still think it kind of hurts the laughs, though, in a way, because I'm cringing as much as I'm laughing. Sure, I am too. I don't know if that's good or bad, but he's scaring me with a lot of the stuff that he was saying, especially with the Michael Jackson stuff right at the top. Yeah, I I, I think it's an... I I, I just think it's done for that reason. Like, I think he's... Trying to shine a spotlight on our uncomfortableness. Best horror comedy of the year? Right. Yeah. (laughs) So I didn't really have an issue with it. I think people that are offended by it are looking for something to be offended by. That's how I took it. Yeah, maybe. But he also, you know, it says some offensive things on purpose. You know, I think that's that's what he does, right? Isn't that his whole act? At this point in 2019, isn't that who he is? Well, it's been like building over the last few specials. Right. I agree with that. He's, He's certainly purposefully doing these things. I agree. He wasn't necessarily purposely doing them back on the Chappelle show. That was a crossover hit. I would argue with that because it was loaded with all kinds of racial issues and humor and stuff like that. Like, he was poking the bear of certain structures even back then, I would say. He wasn't as inflammatory. I'll, I'll agree with that. But the stuff know. against transgenders, in a way, is, is, is really... You know, that I thought that was... I thought that was the worst of it. I mean, yeah, it didn't. It, it, but yeah, that's not what's, hard to laugh. At that's that. not what people are even out. You know, that's not what the I agree headlines are on. You know what I mean? And then yeah, I mean the school shooting stuff. Like, why are we crafting so many jokes about that? Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't see as much issue with it as everyone else, but I would if the outrage was more about the stuff he said about the transgender stuff or the shoot. I would agree with you. 
But the outrage has been about the Michael J. And I just don't see the... He's doing it on purpose. He wants you to be... like, And you're playing right into his hand, I think. I don't think he has a problem with the outrage. I don't know. I, 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 did, I thought it was overblown a little bit, at least. Uh, anyway, I enjoyed that. I plan on seeing the Bill Burr one as well. I could see you... Not, not you. I could see people taking their shots at Chappelle, and I think they're warranted, but I think it's exactly what he wants you to do anyway. It's an hour of engaging sure. television. Right. Let's just say that. Yeah. And it, there's there laughs to be had, and there's freak-out moments yeah. for sure. I agree. You also played a video game? Is that what this is? Final Fantasy VII? Joe, don't speak about it so cavalierly, as if it's <laughs> something that you have no interest in, all right? I've never played a Final Fantasy. I don't play Final Fantasy. Okay. When I was 12 or 13, whenever this came out the first God, time. God, you were lost this mm-hmm. week, psychologically. Mm-hmm. Did, yeah. did you, oh my God, did, what happened to you this week <laughs> that don't. you fell back into your you know, 18-year-old self? I have no need for the world to keep going. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but the Final Fantasy VIII, I played it when I was like 12 or 13 when it came out. Right. Um, they remastered it for the PS4. I don't play Final Fantasies. I just happen to play that one. It's like been one of my favorite video games of all time. Okay. And they just released. So you played one. Okay. Right. This is the only one. This I, is the I, one. I, this yeah. is your attachment. Right. And they've just re-released it, so I have to play it. You understand? Okay. It's, not like it's a contractual obligation on my end. You just need. There's a. There's a dire need. Right. Because they released it this week. I wonder if it's the change in the seasons. Do they think all the 30-somethings need to go back to their 20-something days once the, we get some fall weather? Me and one of the epic film guys right. this week on Twitter. We, like, it was like midnight, so 1 a.m. Yeah, we were just going back and forth about our favorite moments. I don't know who, who controls the account over there, but uh, we were Probably going Nick. back and forth about it. And it was glorious, and I appreciated wow. it. And uh, I got lost in it. And as soon as you leave today, I'll be playing it again. And getting back into it, you see. Good for uh, you. It's better than watching the Giants, I will say oh that. God, yeah. Uh, and the last thing, uh, something that is modern and recent, On Becoming a God in Central Florida. I watched the first three episodes of that. I think I'm going to abandon it. Showtime Kirsten Dunst show, Yeah, right? I, I'm impressed by the... I mean, Kirsten Dunst obviously is the big name. I'm impressed by the ensemble, the backup players, the side players. Mm-hmm. They're not really any people that I'm aware of or had familiarity with, and I will be following them from now on, but I, you know... It's just kind of there. I don't have any real attachment to that as much as I didn't do. hook you. It enough. didn't come out in two thousand three, so I don't really have. That's right. You know? It's not based on right. two thousand three. It's not a period piece. Right. Two thousand three. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, okay. Makes yeah. sense. So that's what I watched this week. I actually had stuff, even though it was all stuff that's fifteen years old. <laughs> Timing matters. Showtime. <laughs> Timing matters. But Kirsten Dunst is from two thousand three. That was, that was the draw. That's what got me that into led it. you in. Right. And you thought of the Upside Down Kiss, but you didn't go further than that. Right. And it is based in 1992 and 93. I am so rattled right now. So, yeah. That's where I'm at. We have to do some audience interaction. I want to listen to Blink-182 right now. I I can't. Right. I can't even do a C-by-skip. I can't even do Best Thing You Watched This Week. I mean, do you have something you just want to say? The best thing I watched this week was the Final Fantasy VIII videos. Okay, good. Good. I figured. But I can't. I'm too afraid of the answers. Because you scare me. Audience interaction. Like we said, we're six degrees of MMO this week was connecting Jennifer Lopez of the movie Hustlers, which had great success. We've been talking about that. To Maggie Smith, star of Downton Abbey. Uh, Those two obviously were backup dancers for In Living Color. That's how they both got their start. Talk about some efficiency award winners, Michael. Yeah, Colby Mack at Colby told me. He said J-Lo to Robin Williams in Jack. Robin Williams to Maggie Smith in Hook. It's nice, quick, and easy. A lot of people have 
had some quick. You know, we actually took time in picking that one last week, thinking that people would actually. It would be harder. Right. And it just wasn't. And people blew up our spots as they always do because they're great. So I'm watching the show. At So I'm watching. Maggie Smith is in many Harry Potters with Ray Fiennes, who is in Made in Manhattan with J-Lo. <laughs> Made in Manhattan came out after Red Dragon. Uh, the yeah. movie after Red Dragon. Ray Fiennes goes from Red Dragon, I'm going to kill you and replace your eyes with mirrors, to Made in Manhattan, the ultra-white conservative male Mike, protagonist. Mike, do, do you remember when Red Dragon came out? 2003. 2002. Oh, 2002. Damn it! But yeah. <laughs> This is becoming a theme. That's why I remember it so fondly. <laughs> top five for fighting podcast at top five for fighting and said this will be quick. Less than six. Maggie Smith was in Sister Act with Kathy Najimi. Najimi was in the Wedding Planner with J Lo. Sister Act. Yes. I don't even remember Maggie Smith. Was she the strict nun? Yes. Oh my God. The, the answer wow. to all these questions is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Mayer at JMay658. Maggie Smith was nominated for an Emmy at the 65th Primetime Emmy Awards, which were hosted by Neil Patrick Harris. NPH was in an episode of How I Met Your Mother, of course, which had special guest star Jennifer Lopez. Uh, I don't remember her being. Did you watch How I Met Your Mother? Some of it. Yeah, you weren't a big, uh, didn't no. draw you in, weren't a big fan. I didn't say with it. Yeah, I don't remember J-Lo being in that, but apparently she was. I'll take his word for it. Four Efficiency Award winners this yeah. week. They did a terrific job. Let's get on to the David Lynch Awards, Mike. The Eraserhead Award this week goes to Swamp <laughs> Thing at Wojcik Weischer. He said Jennifer Lopez performed Jenny from the Block in the episode of Fleabag. Great show. I just watched it a few days ago, he says. Mm -hmm. Which was created by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Her sister, Isabel Waller-Bridge, works as a composer, or worked as a composer on the short film A Battle in Waterloo, starring Jesse Buckley. Wow. Jesse Buckley is in Wild Rose with Julie Walters, and she's in the upcoming adaptation of The Secret Garden novel. She'll play the same character as Maggie Smith did in 1993. Oh, wow. So Look we're going that. generationally there. We're going with the same role, but different eras. I like that. Composers of a short film yeah. with an Emmy-nominated uh, show. And then you have a you know Dark Horse Best Actress candidate, all connecting to a role that Maggie Smith used to play. Yeah. Well, that proves is that Maggie Smith, like always, is the center of all our universes, <laughs> and it's the tether that ties us all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you need to read this one. This is not a David Lynch award, but you need to read this. The pro you're probably of a similar age as Us Award. Uh, a couple niche awards given out this week, which I appreciate the titles of. To Mark Burgundy, frequent flyer here at the One Hanson. J-Lo is from the block. The number of blocks that Bruce Willis had to escort most deaf was 16, yes. which is the same number of candles required for <laughs> yes. Molly Ringwald, who was in Siberia with Keanu Reeves, who appeared in an episode of The Graham Norton Show with Whoopi Goldberg, who was in Sister Act with Maggie Smith. I really, really liked that one. It made me chuckle the first I time liked, I read it. I liked it so much. And I'm glad like these David Lynch Awards forced me to come up with different names. Yeah, I, I, you're I, doing I, a great job of the award titles. Uh, I hope so. Look, this is the Memento Award, because this is really cool. From Nolan Roberts, at Nolan Roberts 17 I think he's won recently as well. Uh, Jennifer Lopez 
Lopez is in Geely with former boyfriend Ben Affleck, who is in the most underappreciated comic book of all time, Daredevil, with former wife Jennifer Gardner, yeah. who is in Electra with former Kryptonian criminal Terrence Stamp, who is in Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children with former potential Asa Butterfield, who is in The Space Between Us with former Oscar snub Gary Oldman, wow. who is in the Harry Potter franchise with current and forever goddess of everything awesome Maggie Smith. <laughs> I love that because it keeps going back. A lot of formers, a lot of formers. Here's the problem, though. Memento Award. The bold claim Mm -hmm. of saying that Daredevil is underappreciated, the most underappreciated, that in a vacuum is arguable enough, but to have that followed up by casually dropping and reminding the world of the existence of Geely, that's a (laughs) tough look. It's a tough look. It, it made me smile. <laughs> Dark Nook at Dark Nook Shop. Uh, he says, "How's this for creative? I only use movies where the transitional character dies and included Mr. Bacon himself." I am calling this the Robert Paulson Award <laughs> because transitional death. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Lopez was in the cell where Vincent D'Onofrio character dies. Vincent yes. D'Onofrio was in the remake of Death Wish where Elizabeth Shue's character dies. Elizabeth Shue is in Hollow Man where Kevin Bacon's character dies. Mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon is in JFK where Gary Oldman's character dies. Gary Oldman's character also dies in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix where he co-stars with Maggie Smith. Here's my gripe with this and why we can't let it win. It's five spoilers for movies but here's the thing though the the movies where the deaths are spoiled it's kind of done an act one where you know they're gonna die with one exception there so there's four that are not real spoilers because you know going in i mean what is he spoiling anyway the cell the remake of death wish yeah i've never seen the remake of death wish and i guess now i know that elizabeth but that's the only one here's my gripe kevin bacon Cannot be called a transitional character in Hollow Man. Uh, No way! He's the antagonist! He's the bad guy! Yeah. No? I don't know. No? You think he's a transitional character? Perhaps. It it works. I'm going to give it to him. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) I guess I'm overruled. (laughs) I don't know. I'll give it to you. You get both judges weighing in. You're obviously the Russian judge. You're more stingy. Yes. And I am uh, from where? Who who, who always gives the applause? Swedish. Swedish, yes. (laughs) We'll go to the winner this week. (laughs) Also, the Twin Peaks The Return Award, because it's so long and mesmerizing. Great job by you. We had to award this the winner. Oliver has... Featherington page at a twist of Oliver because it's 18 paragraphs long. Yeah, we're going to have to uh, go back and forth in the presentation of this. Mike, so you have the first paragraph. Maggie Smith was impersonated in season six (laughs) of RuPaul's Drag Race. Also impersonated on season six of RuPaul's Drag Race was Kim Kardashian. Kardashian is the daughter of Robert Kardashian, (laughs) who was played by David Schwimmer on The People vs. O.J. Simpson. David Schwimmer, of course, was on Friends. Also on Friends, Jennifer Aniston, who was married to Brad Pitt before he ran off with Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie was in Maleficent with Leslie Manville, who was Oscar-nominated for a turn in Phantom Thread opposite... 
Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis was famously in Hamlet until he went so method that he saw his actual father's ghost, <laughs> causing him to quit the stage forever. Is that true? I, I, yeah, it has to be. Yes, has knowing to Daniel Day-Lewis, sure. It's true now. <laughs> who didn't quit Hamlet? Robin Williams, who starred Kenneth Branagh's four-hour 96 film adaptation as Osric. That's right. Robin Williams was also in Night at the Museum with Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller starred in Noah Baumbach's film The Meyerowitz Stories with Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman played the titular character of Captain Hook in Hook with Bob Hoskins as Shmee. Shmee, don't try and stop me. Shmee, don't try and stop me. Shmee, try and stop me. Bob Hoskins was in, of course, where all movies lead back to, Made in Manhattan with Jennifer Six Lopez. degrees of Made in Manhattan. <laughs> Oliver Hetherington Page. Legitimately, one, two, three, four, four and a half, let's call it, paragraphs. Connecting Maggie Smith to Jennifer Lopez. You are the winner of Six Degrees of MMO Great this job. week. You are the owner of all things bragging rights in the Six Degrees universe. Very well earned, I would argue. Nice job by you and nice job by everybody that we did and did not have a chance to get to this week. Hopefully, uh, we can shine a light on your guys' entry next week. We appreciate all the interaction that you guys... And you guys are just geniuses. The stuff you They're come crushing up with, it. Either whether it's short, long... Otherwise, it's awesome. You guys are the greatest. It was hard to pick this week. It, it really was. was. Yeah, we had an argument about who's going to win this we week. We did. <laughs> uh, let's talk about who's going to be winning next week and what the challenge will be, Michael. Okay, Mike. So we're going to include Matthew Good. Yeah. That's G-O-O-D-E from Stoker, from Downton Abbey Season 6, and from the movie Downton Abbey mm -hmm. that we covered last week and very strategically have reminded you now and will continue <laughs> to do so throughout this episode because... In a weird way, we like think it'll play good next week. Play, play well. It'll play Matthew good. It'll play Matthew good, exactly. <laughs> but you want to connect Matthew good yeah. to someone unique here. And why again? Is my own little six-degree chain. Okay. So we're going to connect Matthew good to Carl Weathers. Now, why Carl Weathers? Well, Rambo Last Blood is coming out this week. Uh-huh. Rambo stars Sylvester Stallone. Correct. When people think of Stallone, they obviously think of Arnold. Okay. Arnold was the star in Predator where he had that epic handshake, which has been turned into a gif and a meme many times over. It was epic. With Carl Weathers. <laughs> so naturally, naturally, I thought of Carl Weathers to be the other end of this chain here. Your so, brain. <laughs> if you could, to Carl Weathers is this week's challenge for Six Degrees of MMO. Uh, Want to see your entries. As always, good luck with that. Let's get ridiculous with it. And we will move on here now. No, hold on, though. Yeah. Because in 2003, you forgot to mention that I seen you at one particular <laughs> house party giving everybody that handshake. That you son of Predator, a bitch. Right? That was why. This is because you've been trapped for yes. a moment of time. Of course. This entire episode. This entire weekend, in yeah. fact. Well, the last 16 years. Years, let's say. <laughs> Very let's good. move on here to a box office update, Michael. And we're talking about It Chapter 2 running away again. Although we had a surprise number two. It Chapter 2 won it with 40.7 million as a per... Well, that's a first report on the numbers. Right, from Box Office Mojo. Hustlers took in over 33 million, Mike. Can you believe it? Yes. I can. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I predicted that number outright. I said 33 million plus. Am I a genius? Well, let's just say yes. Uh, look, <laughs> Hustlers, 33 million on a 20 million dollar budget. So you've already probably you're on your way to making money. Obviously, right? How Annapurna? Oh. <laughs> I mean, Annapurna lost 
a jillion dollars on the Sisters Brothers last yeah. year. They had this movie within their grasps, and they give it up. And now it's going to, on its way to make money and maybe be an Oscars contender in and a couple categories. So, Mike, Adam Kay was the producer, I think, while it was at Annapurna. And there was a big studio change after Lorene Scafaria wrote the original script mm-hmm. of it. She was just supposed to be the screenwriter. And it's crazy because, again, you know, Annapurna is very talented at making good films they curating put, yeah quality pictures absolutely and the studio that took it from them stx film they'd become the distributioner on this mm-hmm. they went with the original choice they doubled down on annapurna's taste and adam mckay's taste and everybody who created it from the beginning's taste i this could be a disastrous year for Annapurna too, oh. because not only is Hustlers going to do extremely well and maybe make some Oscars noise, but they also had Annapurna had their hand in the the Roger Ailes pick that they had yeah. to give up, which made a lot of waves when we saw the first preview of it. So, but it sucks, Mike, because Annapurna's at the poker table, right? And they forgot that they ran out of chips. It's like somebody took all their chips from them, and then they they have the winning hand, but they can't bet it, and they have to fold. Ugh. Yeah, but I, you know, that's the side story. Credit to Hustlers. Credit to the people that did put this movie together. 79 yep. Metascore right now and 80, what, 80, 88 right now carrying a, a critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, 70% audience score, though there was reports of some people getting in there and trying to, like, review bomb it as always because we can't mm-hmm. have nice things in this world but hustlers is certainly the movie of the moment right now lorene scafari all credit to her jennifer lopez all credit to her she just was on jimmy fallon doing like the history of dance music video dances or whatever yeah. she I, I am a disgusting pig just watching her at 50 and how good she looks and how active <laughs> she is and how how awesome and energetic she is at all times mm-hmm. and i can't get out of bed without moaning and pain she's amazing She's not of this species, or I'm not. I haven't decided yet. You know but something we, else about her. What's that? Popular in 2003, Mike. That's true. Yeah, she is waiting for tonight, <laughs> as we all are. We will be giving Hustlers the Oscar Sprint Profile treatment this week, yes. so stay tuned for that. I'm excited for it. What else we have in the box office? Yeah, Angel has fallen, held at 4.4. Good Boys at 4.2 million. And The Lion King broke back in to fifth place with 3.5. Mike... As of yesterday, the projection for the Goldfinch was $8 million and it only made $2.6. Uh, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's not good. So it was WB get the distribution on that. They're probably going to end up eating that loss there. It's been trending downwards for a while. The listed reported budget is $45 million. Debuting at less than three isn't good. Not good, Mike. <laughs> yeah, you know, the one time could have been an Oscars contender. There's obviously big problems with it. Now it's gotten to the point where I'm almost curious to see... I, like, I want to see, just to see what to see how bad it is. Yeah, because there's a lot of quality attached to it. You're going to get Roger Deakins cinematography. Right. You're going to get good performances, right. right, at the very least. So I wonder, like, how bad, where where did the buck stop? What happened? Bony uh, Vares in the soundtrack yeah, or something, I don't, right? I don't, it's, they it's obviously the wanted this, they conceived of this production to be an Oscars contender. Not going to be the not case. How about Good Boys? Hanging around in the top four for all five weeks of its theatrical run so far, all yep. five weekends or six, five weekends of its theatrical run so far, 
90 million dollars total plus worldwide take on a 20 million dollar budget we're gonna be getting a good voice too i would think that's good business that's, that's awesome damn good business for a comedy and uh, for a movie about kids unbelievable like, filthy words i guess yeah unbelievable that's, that's good job. for us Great good job, for us but another big story mike downton abbey made 12 plus million overseas seven of that in the uk it is tracking above many you know former hits from most notably British properties like the Kenneth Branagh film Murder on the Orient Express, etc. Yeah, I guess the opening box office is going to be next weekend because mm-hmm. it's having its official debut this week. So, like we said during our OSP, that's tracking or projecting to do 14 to 15 million stateside for its domestic opening. So, that's going to be good. You, how much could they have spent on the production of that? 20? I have no idea. Couldn't I mean, have been could, that much. Maggie Smith apparently like cost them three million to do the like six season or something. So she might, really she might have just she upped her ante there. Might have upped her ante. Give me on the fifteen leverage. million or I'm not showing up. <laughs> Maybe good for you, Maggie Smith. Good for her. Grab him by the balls. <laughs> Let's move into some trailer thoughts. Trailer thoughts. All right, only one trailer for us to review this week, and it's the second trailer for Dr. Sleep, which basically brings us back to the Overlook Hotel, mm-hmm. and we're concentrating more on the whole Ewan McGregor is actually Danny from The Shining. They've done their best to stay true to The Shining prequel, as far as I'm concerned. They've done a decent job of recreating the Overlook, and the lens of fear and evil hanging over everything. There's gloom. I love the music. And yet... And yet... You write this a lot in this room. Yeah, here. I just feel like this is more ripoff than long-awaited sequel. I don't know why. I just I can't escape that feeling. Maybe it's because I'm a Kubrick disciple and he's not involved. Maybe it's because the Doctor Sleep story is a batshit crazy one. And oh, it is. Seem to be staying true to the source material, and I have my doubt as to whether that can parlay itself into this world that Kubrick built. I listened to a couple hours of the audiobook, and it was so gross. It's that I stopped listening. Wild. It's nuts. Uh, that might play better for a movie, I, I think, I hope. But I don't know. You, you have the old monsters and the new monsters. You have the ultimate destination as the Overlook Hotel, it seems. You have Danny Torrance still haunted. Now he's Ewan McGregor. I hope he's still talking to his finger. I'm in, Mike, <laughs> but I also have doubts. Rebecca Ferguson, we love her in so many things. Right. Is she going to be a great villain? Maybe. That's quite the top hat. It's so tough to go from elevator full of blood and creepy twin children down the hall to Rebecca Ferguson steals young child's soul out of their mouth and like whatever she's turns doing, yeah. them into husks. I think you're going to get a lot of the old monsters from The Shining, though, so that could be cool. I don't know. I, I think a major filmmaker just did a tribute to The Shining in, in a major motion picture. I don't want to spoil that. We have Root, Room 237, which is a documentary that's been Fantastic on streaming that you and I both keep watching. Yeah. We both keep watching The Shining. I mean, that's like an annual for me. Do we need this? That's If this was a standalone property, I'd have more hope. We know we're going to get this, but do we need right. it? Right. I know? don't... How do you make a sequel to The Shining, for Christ's sake? It, it's such put, self-contained. You put Rebecca Ferguson in a top hat. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, like I should have hope, and I want to have hope. There's a lot of good people attached to this. Mm-hmm. Mike Flanagan can write a hell of a horror movie. He's yeah, done he can. Hush, Gerald's Game, Ouija, Origin of Evil, which were all quality. And yet... No, not there. I got. And yet, I have worries. That'll be the title yeah. of this 
section. <laughs> Let's move on to a little sad news here. The passing yeah. of Eddie Money, who finally cashes in on that ticket to paradise. Oh, take me home tonight. Two tickets to paradise. Shaken. I want to go back. Baby, hold on. Baby, oh. hold on to me. Those are the top five yeah. hits, I would say. Uh, his music played in 23 soundtracks, Mike, including Sideways, Paul Blart, Mark, Mall Cop, Joe Dirt, Grown Ups, and Everybody Wants Some. He's been like a staple in the comedies we've grown up with. Yeah, sure. They, they even titled a movie after his hit song, Take Me Home Tonight. That wasn't great, but I mean, he has been in our movies for a long time. Yeah, he sure has. In 70. I mean, not that old. I'm, I'm sure not he, old enough. He probably lived the rock star life, and why wouldn't he? He had a mm-hmm. bunch of hits, and he was on top of the billboards for a while, and he was a big name in the 80s, but big name for movies, too. Unfortunately, he's his passing. We send our condolences to uh, everybody that was Definitely. a fan of his, and his family, certainly, and he will be missed, and it's a big hole in both the music and movie industry, for certain. I guess uh, no way to really move on, like always, but we'll try to go ahead with some do you care? I've gotta know. Do you care? And why should we? This is the Do You Care section. We'll wrap up here by talking about news stories that we'll ask do we, should we, or will we care about. The way we start every Do You Care segment is I ask Michael about this week's upcoming new releases and should we care about them. Nationwide, we have Ad Astra finally making its debut. Mm-hmm. Downton Abbey sort of making its debut. Rambo Last Blood shouldn't be making its debut. And where's my Roy Cohn? That's going to be a debut. Where's, That's limited. Where's my Roy, Roy Cohn is... Got a lot of buzz, so I want to see that. Rambo Last too. Blood. I probably will wait for this on VOD. I'm probably not going to go see it in theaters. How many deaths? All of them. It's just all the deaths, yeah. All the that's deaths. correct. It ends in <laughs> literal scorched earth with one little girl saying, Thank you, Grandpa. What could have been? <laughs> Downton Abbey. What wicked winds we weave. Downton Abbey, also all the deaths as we, as mm-hmm. we reviewed. No. Total uh, bloodshed. Go back to that review, Mike, because you and the fans there, I'll talk to you both, mm. because I think that was a lot of fun. I, I've re-listened to it. It, it's a, it, was, it was a great night out for us in general. The crossover with The Purge was unexpected. There, yeah, there was. Uh, that was. Yeah, I, I, I cried when they all died in the uh, end, as my uncle likes to say. <laughs> Mike, there's going to be a TV special this week. Return to Downton Abbey on Thursday night, NBC. Don't worry, Mom. I already scheduled the recording for you uh, a couple days after I heard this was happening. It's going to be recorded because I know you're seeing it again on Thursday night with my aunt, my aunt and uncle. Why would NBC, like, so they just have a hole in their programming? It's reported everywhere. (laughs) Like, everybody's going to watch this TV special called Return to Downton Abbey. Well, I won't. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we'll see how that does over the next week. I mean, we did okay numbers for it, but I think it'll do better numbers next week after everybody sees it. And the just, you know, Maggie Smithites, they all come flock to us. As they always do. As they always Uh, do. I stand by that 14 or 15 million. If it does that for domestically, that's That's much higher than I thought would have expected. You never know. Costumes and makeup and hairstyling. I, I did talk to my mom after we watched it, and she was like... You realize everybody was wearing wigs. I was like, no. Yeah, but some of them weren't good. Yeah, the Mary's wig is bad. Is that my dislike to her character? Is that my innate? Just sense my instinct is I don't like that character, and it's because she has the worst wig? (laughs) It could be. (laughs) You always do start from the top down. She's got the Uma Thurman and Pulp Fiction wig. Right. And it's 
Stark. It doesn't work. Yeah, no, I didn't like it. I guess I care about Ad Astra. We're going to do that at the end of the week. I am so biased against that movie. but Middle of the week, we're going to do Hustlers. I'm probably going to see that tonight, so I'm very, very curious. I can't wait. You're not going to watch Night of Champions? No. What pay- is that? It's a WWE pay-per-view on tonight. Is it? Is it a replay of Night of Champions 2003? It, it's the first time that, that the tag champions are going to fight each other and then defend their titles in the same night. I just want to do Dr. Evil on you so often. And it's because it's from, like, 2003. I just want to be like, how about no? You crazy bastard. <laughs> so you deserve it. You deserve it. If I was your older brother, I'd do that to you all the time. Fair. Dave, you listening? <laughs> this is what he needs, I think. <laughs> Mike, movie pass! It's finally dead! Okay, you ever watch uh, Naked Gun? I think it's 33 and a third. Sure. Uh, didn't come out in 2003. came out a decade before. Right. Where they ask, Frank is with his ex-wife who's going to be his wife again, <laughs> and they, they meet in the restaurant, and they're like, hey, Sam, can you play our song? And there's a classy <laughs> piano player there, and he's like, sure, Frank. And he goes, ding dong, the witch is dead, the wicked witch. It's so stupid. It's exactly my oh, thought no. <laughs> with this story. But you're right. This should have been dead long ago. We eulogized it a year yeah. ago on half episode number 17, Mike, entitled Movie Passes Saga Continues. Every change you make will be watching you one of your better titles. And this isn't, thank you, this isn't <laughs> like just a grudge against Movie Pass because they changed the way they do business. This is a grudge against a company that did some borderline, if not outright, criminal things in their yeah. trying to stay in trying to survive, essentially, and trying to stay alive. They were basically making it impossible for people to cancel their plans. They were switching information and passwords on people with their most expensive plans. Uh, we might still be paying for it, right? right? As <laughs> right. of last week, maybe next week they'll stop those payments. I don't know. I think I got to check my bank statement. Right. So at the heart <laughs> of this was truly something that was questionable at best, anyway, as far as their motivations and their ethics were concerned this needed to die i don't think this structure can survive again unless it's attached to a well-known movie chain that could eat some of the loss and to us to begin with to establish themselves and survive like an amc uh like any other theater chain that's that's major out there that can try to do this thing a list seems to be having some sort of success people that have it seem to abide by it it. and seem to like it and enjoy it but i don't think i abuse it either in a way i mean i'll see three movies a month on it right i won't see three movies a week necessarily right and i'll get some concessions once in a while movie pass dead and i'm dead yeah but i'm a crazy movie goer right i mean you know imagine what the more casual movie goer does and they'll still make you know some money and then they'll think they'll make that money but they'll actually buy you know the pizza rolls and the chicken fingers and they won't make the money but sounds delicious I know I'm on a I diet. Wish AMC- I'm on a diet. It's nothing but salads. It's terrible. I need a sandwich. I wish AMC was just closer to me. I, it's the only gripe. I've thought about signing up. A this is times, why I'm giving you so far away. I'm giving you so much shit in this episode. It's because of my mood swings with the diet and lack <laughs> lack of sandwiches. And you're fine. That's just my defense mechanism. Giving you shit about 2003. I'm just thinking about Avril Lavigne and Good Charlotte. The 45th Saturn Awards happened, Michael. So this is a fun award. 
awards show because they have nine best film categories, all the genres, and movies of the last two years. I like award shows right now because before like awards season really starts, it's like a meld between the last two years of movie watching for right, us. Right, right. So you have it's a, a reminder yeah. of how things were. You have Avengers Endgame and Ready Player One winning two awards, Toy Story 4 and A Quiet Place, Mission Impossible, Fallout, and Bad Times at the El Royale, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and Mandy and Burning. How many, most of those movies are from last year. Yeah, last spring, too. A while yeah. ago. But it's fun. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Jamie Lee Curtis took home Best Actor and Actress Awards. Hell yeah. <laughs> Josh Brolin and Zendaya took home the supporting ones. Hell yeah. Jordan Peele took home Best Director for Us. A Quiet Place won Best Screenplay. And Ari Aster won this Breakout Director Award. So all that is cool, right? Yeah, the Saturn Awards are great. It's high, It's all sci-fi, big action, and horror movies. I'm almost afraid to tell you this next set of awards because you'll probably purchase all of these DVDs because they also have five awards given out to you know DVD and Blu-ray yeah. releases and re-releases yeah. and those went to anything from 2001 A Space Odyssey to Waterworld Waterworld? Waterworld's re-release I think Waterworld won an award if Waterworld's mm-hmm. still making money on their DVD releases I still don't think they've recouped the budget from that because it was such a bomb good the, lord the 27th special yeah. edition <laughs> They should be releasing special edition DVDs and Blu-rays. Another of the cast is put on trial. <laughs> Mike, overall, the Avengers Endgame won six awards, and Game of Thrones took home four. Yeah, Saturn's good. <laughs> Let you have your moment. <laughs> Mike, there will be a Tank Girl remake from Margot Robbie's production company. Yeah, this is from John Squires of Bloody Disgusting, who does... Frankly, I think an amazing job. He's really on yes. top of the horror news, and I would love to try to have him on this show and pick his brain sometimes. Tank Girl That's also... That's desperate, yeah. <laughs> as a director, <laughs> Miles Joris Perifit, uh, who directed a movie this year called Hunting Ground, whose work I am not all that familiar with, nor okay. am I familiar with the original Tank Girl movie from 95. Are you? I did watch it. Yeah. I, I did watch it back in the day. It's wacky, but it's kind of a fun watch. Did, is Tank Girl from Demolition Man originally, or do you know, or no? You don't know? No idea. Yeah, I don't know either. But the 95 iteration was, uh, the titular character was played by Laurie Petty. Seemed to have a decent cast. Uh, Ice-T was in there. Uh, Naomi Watts was also (laughs) a supporting character as well. So, Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. I I don't have any attachment to a Tank Girl character or remake. I have a large attachment to Margot Robbie pushing through female-led superhero and action movies. So I'm all in favor of this. And this has quite the cult following. Right. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's been kind of one of those underground things. I just never had personally gotten into it, or right. had, but I, you're absolutely right. As There's does Lori, of it. Lori Petty, by the way, too. Yeah. And Ice-T, I'm sure we could say. So thumbs up. I, I, I'm excited to see it, and if Margot Robbie's got involvement in it, I'm all for it. Let's see, let's see what happens. Mike, uh, we're recording this halfway through the Creative Arts Emmys. They just started giving out their awards last night on uh, Saturday night. Yeah, Leaving Neverland, RuPaul's uh, Drag Race, and Free Solo are cleaning up. How is Free Solo here? I guess they made it a TV special at Nat Geo there? Yeah, I guess so. That so would won make six, sense. Yeah. Six Emmys. So again, oh. it's a fun time because... Stuff that used to win is winning again, and stuff that might win is uh, winning for the first time. We're never actually in the present. We're always in the past. That's why I am perfect for this job. (laughs) A person of your... Ilk. 
ilk is a nice way to put it can flourish in this job yes i believe it too mike disney plus had a trial in the netherlands this month or this week yeah this was Stuart clark from variety which goes on to describe some of the features which is really the highlight of me of this whole story mm-hmm. uh you can run up to four concurrent streams on the same account you have unlimited downloads and set up as many as seven profiles parents can set up kid specific profiles that open a child-friendly interface with age-appropriate content you would think disney would be on top of that type, oh, type that's of good. thing, so that makes sense. But this is a rough, a soft opening is the way they put it. It's, it's a rough uh, amalgamation of what Disney Plus will actually be. It wasn't like the full version uh, the article goes on to cite. But I don't really have much takes other than what some of the features are mm-hmm. and what we you know, hadn't heard previously, so it's cool to see that they're going to allow multiple streams on the same subscription. They're going to allow multiple profiles. That's all very cool. I'm just, you know, you're Disney. Mm-hmm. You should have kid-appropriate and kid-restricted things. They seem to be on top of that out of the gate. Great. I would think they would be, so awesome job there. Now we can get a NC-17 version of WandaVision. Like we all really want and need. <laughs> yes. We're both, like, just really just unraveling our subconsciouses in this episode, <laughs> which is very scary. Yes. Yours is an NC-17 version of WandaVision, and mine is reliving the best of good Charlotte. Uh, Mike, the Targaryen prequel series has officially been announced at HBO, uh, Game of Thrones, yada yada. Yes! Oh, Jesus. Yes, Michael! We're officially getting two of the most fantasy-heavy stories from the Game of Thrones universe as prequels. We're getting Naomi Watts starring in what George R. R. Martin has termed it, the long night so we think we know what that is about uh-huh. and now we're getting the dance of dragons and all the history of how the targaryens have conquered westeros before killing all of each other off with their dragons in this show here is it going to be called the dance of dragons we don't know that would be a great title is a great title for the fifth book michael don't stop me i'm going to keep talking because look they better not screw this well that's up. my question is there any worry to you is there any part of you that worries that spinoffs have not the greatest lineage of success in television history. Here's the truth. I do really worry because my favorite of the non-canon stories is The Hedge Knight. There's three of those, and I think even you would love those. Okay. About Duncan the Tall and a kid named Egg because he's got a shaved head. I'm out. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I lost him in the, in the hook lost of him the pitch. <laughs> Damn it. George, it's your fault. It's not my fault. I, I had him going there for a second. But I, I think those are the strongest stories of all these ancillary Game of Thrones tales. So isn't that just heightening up your expectations? But I, we need these to do well if we're going to get those. Oh, I see. That's, I see. I see. Okay. If these die, if these fail, then we won't get those. And now mm. I'm afraid. Mm. I hope this is a miserable experience for all of you. (laughs) Oh, no. Mike, how about that Suicide Squad cast? It's huge. (laughs) I mean, James Gunn casually dropped the, just the list of names that are going to be in the new Suicide Squad movie. It's gigantic, including Viola Davis, Margot Robbie, Idris Elba is going to step in for Will Smith, John Cena, Nathan Fillion, Michael Rooker, Alice Briga, Taika Waititi, Pete Davidson. How is Pete Davidson going to be in a, is he going to be like the Donald Glover equivalent of what Donald Glover was in the Spider-Man movie? I have no idea what he's doing in here. I have no idea what all these people are doing, but it's kind of fun, right? We're getting these mammoth Mm. ensembles for these tentpole productions now. And he did say, the caption accompanying the picture was, don't get too attached. 
So a lot of these people are going to die. That is I would fun. assume. <laughs> Good. Pete Davidson has to die in a comic book movie. I'm just excited to see him on a big screen like that. I love, I'm a huge Pete Davidson guy. A huge fan of his. I'm just surprised James Gunn's allowed to use social media again. <laughs> Wow. But I have faith it's in the It's the hottest of takes that we've had this whole episode. <laughs> I'm rolling the dice Taika right Watini going to uh, DC is interesting, no? Yeah, it is. But, it you know, it's got the James Gunn connection there. Yeah, it's true. Works. Would you rather Maybe have... he's mad, though, that Disney via Fox Searchlight is not pushing his movie Jojo Rabbit. Maybe he knew that from the get-go. Oh, I There's like that. Conspiracy that's conspiracy theory. That's you me love rubbing these. off on you, yeah. You love these conspiracy <laughs> theories. Um, would you rather have Idris Elba or Will Smith in that role? Well, that's very difficult. I think Idris Elba will do very well in the role. Mm-hmm. I don't have an it's issue. It's a very political correct, correct answer. Uh, Pick a side. Look, <laughs> I, mean, I, I would go with Will Smith. But oh, here's wow. the thing. I wouldn't. Well, here's here's the thing. is I think Idris Elba should be using his natural voice. Like That's what I love about him so much. You want the Luther voice? I want the Luther yeah. voice. I want the British voice. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. I don't well, know if him doing bust the... It out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if him doing the Fast and Furious voice, the American voices, is good. But all right, guys, that is your week, setting you up for the Hollywood week to come. That was Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. Uh, obviously, want to know your comments, questions, concerns, anything else that we cover both in this episode and in the MMO Empire. You can reach out to us and leave us those at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. And if you could take 30 seconds out of your day, if you want to do a good deed, put a smile on our face, and maybe on yours too, go to your your podcast app in your iPhone, tap search in the bottom right-hand corner, type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar. You'll see our logo pop up. You can tap on that and just scroll down once. You'll see the opportunity there to leave us a five-star review. If you can do that, it would really help us out a lot. Tell it a couple takes friends. longer for you to tell them the instructions does. than for them it to do it. It literally does. That's a good point. So you can shut me true. up and just do it, you know? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> and for those of you that have done it, thank you very much. We've been rolling those in lately. Uh, All you need number. to do is be like, if while I'm talking you just click on our tune me yeah. and just go do it yeah that's a that's... step by step instruction right <laughs> and you'll actually be ahead you'll be waiting you'll be like oh he's still telling me how, what itunes is yeah exactly so just do it you know and shut me up uh mike words of wisdom and what's coming next from mmo it's wise to have nostalgia for your past lives <laughs> It's wise to talk about your subconscious and unbury things that are <laughs> have been buried for so long. And we tried to do that today. Yes, it's cathartic. Thank <laughs> And oh, how little do you folks know that we have opened up Pandora's box <laughs> here on out. But what do we got coming up? We got the Hustlers review. We got the Ad Astra review. We got the uh, Oscar Ace checkpoint later in the week. We are going to bump... Heath Ledger's Joker because I was too worried that Mike's nostalgia was on overload this week and that's from 2008. It was too close to a movie that he probably watched 17 times a day yeah. in 2003, I so I figured mathematically possible. Yeah, but you find a way to like <laughs> have it on 17 TVs because you were oh, yes, then obsessed TVs. with yes. Matrix Revolutions or No. Re- no. No. Good. Fuck that movie. <laughs> Well, I was trying to roll with that. <laughs> again, you know, our improv skills are not good. You would be the last improv partner I would choose because it's not yes and, it's no and 
screw you. It's my way or the highway. <laughs> it's my way or the highway. But yeah, that's what's coming up next. Those were words of something. It was definitely words, if nothing else. And that's it. That's <laughs> the show. <laughs> when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Have a good week, and we will see you soon. See ya.